You're listening to the Branded Cowgirl Podcast, episode 110. On today's episode, I sat down with Emily Bentz, who is a mom, a cattle rancher, a horse girl, and CEO of May Babes Equestrian. Emily started her business after the birth of her second child when she realized that something was missing for women in that season of life, and that idea grew into what Maybabes is today, which is fashionable and functional attire for equestrians. In our conversation, we covered what it's like to start a business from scratch, getting scrappy when you have no one to turn to for advice, what it's like running a product-based business, balancing your passions and business while also being a mom, handling rejection, Facebook ads, and so much more. I cannot wait for you to hear this one, so without further ado, here's Emily. Hey, you're listening to the Branded Cowgirl Podcast, hosted by yours truly. My name is Sarah Elrod, and I am a serial entrepreneur through and through. But most importantly, I'm a wifey, a mama, and pretty much a crazy horse lady. I started this podcast based on an old saying my husband once told me, that every successful rancher has a wife that works in town. And being the stubborn, wannabe homesteading housewife that I am, I decided that why do I have to work in town in order to contribute? So I made it my mission to teach other rural women and entrepreneurs how to grow thriving brands online from way out yonder. Whether you live out in the middle of nowhere, have to take a dirt road to get there, or if you're just a mama who wants to stay home raising babies and cows someday, this is the place for you. On this show, we talk about marketing, social media, branding, content creation, Western lifestyle, and so much more. We believe that business does not have to be boring and that you can never own too many pairs of cowboy boots. So grab a coffee and your favorite notebook and let's saddle up and get to work. This is the Branded Cowgirl Podcast. Calling all photographers, do you struggle with coming up with content ideas throughout the year and knowing what to post every single day? Trust me, I get it, I've been there, and I have a solution. I've created a brand new resource just for you. It's an entire year's worth of content pre-planned out so you will not have to think about what to post for the entire year of 2023. Literally, I am not kidding. This resource is a calendar style resource that provides 12 months worth of content, what days to post, what days to take a break, prompts on what to post exactly, or just inspiration for ideas. It's the end all be all for your content for this year and I cannot wait for you to get your hands on this. Head to sarahelrod.com slash year of content or you can also go to the Sarah Elrod shop to find it as well. That's sarahelrod.com slash year of content or sarahelrod.com slash shop. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Ignore the uh, blur. I'm trying to hide my disaster of a house that's happening behind me right now. <laughs> oh, that's fine. This is the one. <laughs> so we live in a, we just bought a new house uh, or new to us. And it's from, uh, the, it's the last update is like from 1960. Mm-hmm. And so the wall to the left of me is 100% yellow and white daisies on top of like a green, like an army green. I mean, and it's a whole, it's like half of the kitchen basically is that. And then, um, and then the like Christmas disaster from my kids, you know, is still in the other room. And so I was like, where is there a spot that doesn't (laughs) show everything right now? And I was like, okay, my one my one clean wall. <laughs> yeah, that's me. I used to have my desk the other way because I do this on my like desktop computer, not my laptop. And I used to have it to where you could see just a wall behind me, but then we like changed it around. So now it's like this whole big room behind me and there's just literally stuff everywhere from Christmas and just life. So. 
So mm-hmm. I'm like, well, <laughs> we're just going to ignore that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. Cool. Well, I'm super excited to talk to you. Um, I was really stoked when you reached out and I like did a little bit of digging into you and your business and just kind of your story. And I'm super intrigued. Um, so do you want to just maybe like introduce yourself for uh, anybody that's listening? Do you want to just kind of introduce yourself, talk a little bit about what you do and about yourself? Sure. Um, so my name is Emily and I own Maybabes. Uh, Maybabes is a an apparel company that focuses mostly on equestrian apparel, but but we also do... This is a, I'm terrible at talking about myself. I need to, I need to work on my elevator pitch, I guess. Um, yeah, it's just, it, it came out of an experience that I had um, after my second baby in 2018. And so um, I, when I was recovering from my daughter's birth, there was something missing in what I thought was available to women to wear postpartum. And most of that came from having to wear a depends type thing. And then also having leggings be the most, I don't know, comfortable and functional, uh, part of my wardrobe at the time, you know, when everything feels kind of jello-y and you're basically hanging out. I mean, hopefully hanging out at home. I, um, with my son, I did have to go to the lactation consultant and, um, and that is a vivid memory of mine as well, where it was in the middle of, um, it was actually at the end of May, and it was super hot already in California. And I wore like a short sleeve cardigan that was long over my, the back of my legs because I was wearing these giant, you know, uh, granny style underoos and uh, a pad and everything else under the sun. So uh, when my daughter was born <clears throat> and she happened to be, her birth was a VBAC, mm-hmm. um, the recovery was different than when I had experienced with my son. And, uh, that really highlighted this, okay, I've gone through both experiences. I've had this, the same thought (laughs) Mm -hmm. after both of the, the idea that there's just, why is there not anything better for women out there? Mm -hmm. And so I actually sewed my first prototype myself. And when I did some digging and realized there was nothing out there that was like it, uh, that's when I started taking action and looking at, um, patent work and and things like that. And it's been, it's been a, a, a lovely journey. Um, not super easy, mm. <laughs> um, just getting into fashion and apparel when that was not my background. My background was as a, a sports photographer and, um, yeah, so it was totally outside of, of my comfort zone. And, and then, so then the progression to that and into the equestrian world was that I've, I'm a lifelong equestrian. And so I had this idea for these leggings and they ended up being very functional and very comfortable. And I started riding in them. And then I had some friends that are also equestrians and they said, oh my gosh, you know, you need to make this into a thing with, with equestrian riding, you know, pants or breeches because they're super functional and there's nothing worse than trying to pull up multiple layers while you're at a horse show in the middle of the summer and all these different things started coming out. And because I already ride, it was just a natural progression. Um, and now I try not to put a hundred percent of my energy just into the equestrian side of things because 
that's where my heart is, you know, and, and anything that's involved with horses, especially as a mom, which you probably feel the same way, but you are definitely pulled away from your horses a little bit when you, when you have children and, and it's not a bad thing. I mean, obviously, you know, you want to be a good mom and, but you have to have something that also, you know, lights your soul on fire. And for me, that's horses. And so it's been an interesting dance back and forth, but definitely having a business that, uh, you know, has a toe dipped into the equestrian world and now more like half of my body, <laughs> yeah. uh, has made it really worthwhile. So. Oof. Ooh, you said so many things that I want to touch on. Um, first off, like first thing that kind of caught my attention was, and this doesn't really have to do with business or anything, but like the fact that you had a C-section and then a VBAC. Um, I'm like super intrigued by those stories because I had a C-section with my son and he was my first. And so like, we're talking about obviously like we want more kids and things like that. And I'd love to be able to have a VBAC. So just for me personally, it kind of like, is like a good thing to hear. Like it is possible people have VBACs. Like yeah. <laughs> that totally <laughs> happens. Um, so anyway, uh, but I, I can imagine those were very different experiences, just the recovery of it. And I think it's cool that your business came out of your own personal experience. And it wasn't just some random idea you came up with. It's something that you saw the problem, you were having the problem and you created the solution for yourself and realized that, you know, other people probably go through this also. And I think the best businesses come out of things like that because now it's, it's coming from your heart and it's coming from something that actually means something to you more than just, you know, Oh, I think this is a good idea. Um, So I think that's really cool. And then just the fact that you touched on like being now you've entered this world. Obviously, this wasn't your background going into the clothing industry. And I'd love to dive deeper into what that experience has been like for you, because that's pretty out of my comfort zone. I've never gone into the clothing industry and I can only imagine like there's so much that comes with that. Um, Do you want to maybe elaborate a little bit on just when you first got this idea, I know you said you made your own prototype. I mean, once you were like, okay, I think I have something here. What what kind of were the steps that you took to make it into what it is now? Yeah. I, and for anybody that's listening, I'm an open book. So if anybody ever wants any information, um, I feel like I did not have somebody that was willing to share a lot of the insider information. I'm, I'm not entirely sure why so many companies or people hold that information so close to their chest, but they do because I did not have anybody that I could get information from when I, if, you know, if I reached out to them and asked them, where do you manufacture or who do I talk to about pre-manufacturing work like tech packs and things like that. So I found a resource online. Um, Oh my gosh, the name is, is, escaping me right now. And I can't think of what it is. In any event, I found an online uh, w- a website online that had uh, different vendors, <clears throat> excuse me, different vendors available. And they kind of hook you up with different manufacturers. Um, full disclosure, my first manufacturer and I did not work out. We worked together for probably about a year. And I had sent the first prototype to them and they were going to do a tech pack and a pattern and everything for me. And they just could not wrap their head around the idea. Mm. And, and I, and I actually, I got that a lot. <laughs> um, so I, I actually have sent, um, there was a place, the first company that I worked with was in Los Angeles. Mm. Um, very wonderful people. We just were not a good fit. And that 
is a hundred percent the, the transparent reason. And I think that that's okay. That was a learning experience for me from the very beginning was just being able to realize when, uh, because I hadn't experienced that before I had never really met somebody that I couldn't work with professionally. And part of that might've been being a photographer and working alone. And then I just had like, I had my one boss and my photo editor, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and so maybe it was just something I wasn't used to, but it just, it did teach me a lot that you can have these professional relationships and say, okay, we're going to agree that maybe we're just not the best fit or the best relationship to move forward with. Um, And then from there, I did another Google search and found a company in um, Arizona and they kept my prototype for three months and then emailed me one day and said that I needed to seek out a professional in women's health to help me with the design because they did not feel like they could do a prototype, um, you know, do a prototype that basically is before you flesh out a tech pack. Mm. And I said, at this point I had established uh, internally that I was the expert because I was tired of, I mean, this is probably the hill that I will die upon, but women's health. I'm so sorry. I don't know why my voice is so scratchy. Um, I had been so frustrated with not being listened to as a woman while pregnant and then through my first birth experience. And when this gentleman told me that I needed to hire a professional um, or an expert, I about lost my stuff (laughs) and sent him a pretty scathing email that said, send my prototype back to me. I am the expert. And I just, I was so frustrated with that. And I, and it was another mountain to climb. You know, I had just, I just felt like I was going up and down constantly with trying to get the idea into, into fruition. So then, um, and then I found my current manufacturer actually, and she's been wonderful. And, um, from working with her and then working with the other people, I was gathering little bits of education on how, uh, developing a prototype and a tech pack and a product worked. And then of course I, I did some online courses on uh, fabric and sewing techniques and things like that. But it's also just been, I've been working on it since 2018. So now I feel like I still have a ton to learn, but I also feel like I've learned a lot just through the experience and also people just not giving me the time of day where you go, okay, well, now you're another person on the list and I'm going to prove to you that I might not have any experience in this industry, but um, there's a great, a great quote that says, uh, underestimate me. That'll be fun. Um, yeah, I love and it. I just, I f- feel like I l- like lived by that quote, like, here we go again, here's somebody else that's going to underestimate me being able to, to get this done. And at some point, you know, I just flipped that on its head and thought, okay, it's more fun if you underestimate me It you know, and, and we'll see where, where it takes me. Oof, I totally see where our lives are parallel. <laughs> I have to laugh because everybody listening wouldn't know this, but in her email, when we first connected, she said that she thought we had like a lot of similarities and I'm 100% seeing that. Um, no, I, I totally get that. And I, 
I have so much praise for you for your dedication and determination to make it work. Like you knew you had something good and to go through rejection with manufacturers and, and just trying to prove like, Hey, I have something here. I know that can't be easy. Um, obviously my experience looks a little different with different types of things, but similarly, you know, people will say like, Oh, that's never going to work. Or, you know, that's, I don't know about that. Um, and it does take a certain type of person and a certain type of confidence to be able to like stick to your guns and say, no, like, I know this is going to work and I'm not going to give up on this idea. Um, I mean, can you talk about like, was that hard for you getting feeling like sort of rejection or was it just lighting that fire underneath you more? I mean, was it something you feel like you had to grow through to figure out like, okay, like this isn't a stupid idea. I'm not a failure. Like we just have to go that next step. Like, what was that like? Cause I, I imagine for a lot of people that's, you know, they would just stop right there and be like, oh no, never mind. Like this is never going to work. Yeah, it definitely was a, a, I had to grow through it and take each hit as they came and then, and try to just bounce back from it. I still feel like some days I have that a little bit, you know, where it's, I just think, am I really cut out for this stuff? It's really hard. And, and then I just have to remind myself that I've had a lot of those moments before and, and you just find a way to work through it, I guess. Um, I don't know if it's, personality or if I almost think that people that for lack of a better word are that are mean or, or unkind to you are almost a gift because you can take that experience and say that you know that's how they feel about a certain situation or maybe that's how they would react to yeah. to this journey but I don't know. It's just my mom and I talked about it one day and she said that, uh, when I was little that I always marched to the beat of my own drummer mm. and that kind of hit me. And I thought, okay, mm. <laughs> maybe that's why <laughs> maybe I'm just not necessarily more tough or more resilient than anybody else. Maybe I'm just always have been that person that has been able to get through those tough things because, I don't know, maybe it's like life experience from, you know, a young age. And then I just kind of built a thick skin. I don't know. It's, it's very hard to explain because I feel like if something similar happened to me now, I don't know that I wouldn't quit, but for some reason back then I didn't. And now certain things happen in business. I mean, you know, business is really hard mm -hmm. and being an entrepreneur is really hard. And for some reason we keep going and it's, mm -hmm almost a mystery. And maybe that's part of what is so beautiful about being an entrepreneur is that certain things you can look at analytics and, and work from data. And then other things are intrinsic or like, I don't know, magical, you know, the things that you don't really have a grasp on why they happen or why you're able to do what you do, but then you just do it. Yep. Yeah. I know. I, I totally get what you're saying. And I, one of my favorite parts about starting this podcast was obviously like before that I was just doing photography and kind of like you, it, it was really just me working alone. Like I didn't, you know, it, I wasn't really involved with other people other than just the people that hired me. And so getting to do this podcast, like I get the opportunity to sit down with so many people from so many different industries that do so many things. And I feel like I've really began to understand that entrepreneurship is not something that I feel like is you can't just become like 
what am I trying to say? Like, I think it is genuinely something people are born with. Like you're born with a certain personality um, because I feel like I was similar to you growing up, like very just, I'm going to do things my own way. Like if I want something, I'm, I'm resilient. I, <laughs> to the point of being just like a stubborn brat about it. Like I want what I want <laughs> and, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, and so I, I totally relate to that. And I feel like I've heard other people say very similar things that are now really successful entrepreneurs. So I do think that there is something and not to say people can't be successful if they never have done business before, but I think you are born with like a certain type of characteristic that makes you want to fight for those things. Um, and I just, I think that's really cool. And I also think it's really cool how you have, basically been super scrappy with your business. Like you said, you don't have a ton of, you didn't have like resources really. People weren't necessarily super willing to share things. And I think that's common in a lot of industries. Um, there's a lot of gatekeeping in a lot of different ways and for different places. And so um, learning to get scrappy with business is kind of a tricky thing. And I know it well, because it, whether it's you have lack of information or lack of funds, I feel like you have yeah. to <laughs> find ways to just make things work. And there's so many things in my business where I'll get people messaging me and be like, oh, how'd you do that? Or who designed your website? Or who did this? Or how did you do that? And I'm like, I literally Googled it. I mean, I just did a reel the other day that was like, <laughs> how did you learn how to do this? And it was like, I typed it into Google and I did what it said. And it's so true. Like, yes, yeah. <laughs> I feel like there's so many things that I did. YouTube University and Google mm -hmm. and you just, you figured out and it's a lot of trial and error. Um, what would you say in your experience so far has been like the biggest learning curve for you? Was there anything that happened that you like really that came out of left field or was the biggest thing you had to overcome since starting this? Oh gosh, there's so many things. Um, I would <laughs> say that since I, I gravitate towards anything that is creative designing new products, having ideas is something that comes really naturally to me. Um, and then although I, I was a photographer and I was really good at computer systems like photo mechanic and editing software and Photoshop, anything technology has been difficult for me. Mm -hmm. So um, my website, I've done hundred percent on my own and mm -hmm. it's been hours and hours and hours of, like you said, YouTube, Google, the Shopify help site, just banging my head on my desk and telling my <laughs> husband that I hated my life. And, <laughs> and, um, because it was one of those things where, um, because it's a product-based business, you have money streams going, you know, a lot of other places. So you have, uh, development of products, <clears throat> excuse me, development of products. And then you have your other technology things, you know, your hosting for your website and all these different things that are, uh, you know, to be blunt, expensive. Mm -hmm. And at the beginning of my, my business, and even now to this day, you have to pick and choose what things you're going to do on your own, or you're going to do, you know, you're going to outsource and, and pay somebody to do. And the website was one of those things, <clears throat> excuse me, that was not in the funds to be hired out. Yeah. And so I just did it myself and it was hard. And then, um, I would say the other thing is just in general, the, the, uh, learning curve of online business mm -hmm. is very steep. 
So you make your website, you make your product, you're super proud of it and you put it out (laughs) into the world and you're like a star in the universe. Mm -hmm. People can see that you're there, but they don't know anything about you or what you do. And then the likelihood of them reaching up and touching your website or finding your website is just very rare. And I, and I had no concept of that when I first started, I actually remember standing in the kitchen of our old house with my husband talking and he said, so now you, you launch the website and then you just get sales. (laughs) And we were like, yeah. (laughs) And then yeah, it's that easy. (laughs) It's that easy. And now I look back on that and I am so, I mean, I can't believe I shared that because I'm so mortified that that was my thought process behind it. Because now I'll talk with somebody about starting a website and I give them advice on, you know, join, you know, this group or follow this business coach or this and that, because you need all of those people's knowledge and energy and everything to get you one sale. And then, and then, but then for me, you know, a few years ago, I thought, okay, here we go. (laughs) It's live. The website's live. We're going to get sales. And So it was the whole e-commerce thing was just a way bigger um, idea and concept than I ever had ever anticipated that it would, would be. And I still am learning about it and still I'm, I'm surprised at the knowledge that I've gained over the last year and what I didn't know last year. Mm. And I'm sure that I'll have the same feeling at the end of next year about this year. It just, it's like it continue, you just continue to build and build and build, but um, yeah, I would say that anything technology related was definitely, and, and then it also goes back to being a mom Yep. and you are probably acutely aware of this as well. Your time is so valuable that when you have a task that takes you hours and basically you get one task done for the whole day, because the rest of the time you are, you want to be there as a mom to your parent or to your kids as well. But I mean, you basically don't have a choice to some degree either, you know, I mean, there's only so many hours in the day and you have to be a parent. Mm -hmm. And so it was hard for me to work on something like my website and have it take me all day and then have to close my laptop and go be a mom and think, Oh my gosh, I got one task done or even half of a task done today. But when you don't have any other option, you just kind of stick to it and keep grinding. And then, um, and then some days, you know, somebody says like, Hey, your website looks pretty. And and you you like sob. Yes. (laughs) I'd like to thank, you know, (laughs) and, uh, yes. And you just, uh, are so elated that, you know, somebody actually thinks that it doesn't look terrible because you know, uh, that you, that you did it yourself. So, oh yeah, it's, it's crazy how much life changes when you become a parent. And I mean, I've only been doing this for five months now and I just (laughs) was like, absolutely. I mean, I don't know. I knew life was going to be different. I knew, you know, everybody says it is. And I wasn't, I don't feel like I was naive to the fact that things were going to be different, but I don't think I anticipated quite how much it was going to be different and just how much time it really does take away. Um, because I don't know, I just thought like, oh, babies sleep a lot. Like I'll be able to just sit at my desk and do work and he'll just sit next to me. And there were like times where he would do that when he was like super newborn. But 
um yeah now I mean it's like I'm lucky if I can get like an hour chunk in here and there I mean we're literally doing this interview while he's like napping I don't know how long he's gonna last (laughs) like we're just going along but um yeah I mean it it kind of blew my mind and there were so many days where I was just like crying and venting to my husband like I can't get anything done like how do people do this and I mean it made me just get such a good appreciation for stay-at-home moms working moms I mean then people like us who are working from home moms like it's such a different you know super wild (laughs) yeah now you're trying to do all the things like all at once and I mean that's just it's so crazy and it's so much harder, but like you said, it's, it's rewarding and, um, you want to be doing all the things, you know? And, and I think that was a a hard thing for me too, is like, I want to be the super involved, like active mom that like does all the mom things, but like, I'm, also want to do my business because I love my business. And I also want to go ride my horses because like, that's who I am as a person. And yeah, yeah, I mean, since he's been born, like it's been a handful of times that I've really gotten to go out and like have a day to myself to like go ride. And those days feel so good. It's like, wow, this is what it feels like to not have a tiny human attached to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. But you know, it's, it's just, it really is. It's such a wild experience. Um, was it, So, I mean, you were a photographer before. Was that something you did from home? Were you like working full time ever, like at a normal quotations nine to five job ever? Or was this like, were you always kind of like at home doing more stuff for yourself? Yeah, I was always, um, I worked for a university as a university sports photographer. So I worked and I actually, um, I got that job right after my son was born. So I had no intentions of going back to work after my son was born. Um, and because prior to that, I worked for a newspaper as a sports writer and, um, and a photographer. And then this, basically this dream job became available and I (laughs) feel terrible about it. Luke was my old, uh, photo editor and he was a sports, the head of the sports, um, media department. And I emailed him multiple times and just said, please give me this job this is my dream job. Please give me this job. And so he finally agreed to meet with me and look over my portfolio. And, uh, and so I started working right after my son was born, which I look back on now and I think was kind of crazy, but, um, I had a wonderful, I have a wonderful brother-in-law who at the time, uh, his work schedule does allowed for him to be my main babysitter. Oh, cool. And because it's sports, it's a lot of nights and weekends. And so that you know, worked with my husband's work schedule too. Um, and it, so it, I've always worked from home, but I do, I mean, it's funny if I bring, or you bring back memories for me when you speak about, um, trying to get an hour in here and there. And I remember my son would lay on one of the little blankets that have the ta- tassels and toys that hang from the, the top yep. uh, next to my, next to my desk and kind of coo and, and I interact with him while I was, while I was working and there's such great memories too. I mean, it's, it's just so, I think we're so much harder on ourselves in the moment. And then if you look back, you think, oh my gosh, I really did do such a good job of being this person that has a job or has something, a career that they love and being a mom. Yeah. But in the moment you feel like you're spinning a thousand plates and nobody's getting a hundred percent of your time or energy. I feel like that. I feel guilty about my business. Like 
if my business had all my attention, it would be bigger than it is now, or mm. I would be more organized. Mm. And then I think if I didn't have my business at all, my horses and my kids would be my life. Mm-hmm. And then I would just ride all the time. <laughs> and I would, when my kids were at school, yes. I would ride and I'd make dinner and then, you know, life would be easy. And then I, but yeah. I'm, but I have had those thoughts before in the past. And now I look back on the, on the photos and things that I, you know, have that I'm very grateful to have from back then. And I think, okay, us moms need to be a little bit easier on ourselves because I do believe that having it all is a myth because Mm. you might have it all, but one thing gets 50% and the other thing gets 50% or whatever, you know, percentage. Uh, I think it probably varies by the week for me. Um, but I do think that we do a lot better of a job at it than we give ourselves credit for. We just have a really hard time seeing that. So that was very deviated from your question. I'm sorry. No, tangent. (laughs) good. No, I love that. I, and I, I totally agree. I think we're so much harder on ourselves and it's a big learning curve. I mean, it's, you're always learning something new as an entrepreneur. And I feel like as a mom, you're always learning something new and, uh, like you said, I mean, there's so many hard days, but there's so many days I look back on and I'm like, I wouldn't want this any other way. I mean, there, there have been nights and days where I'm venting to my husband and, you know, I can't do this. This is so hard. And he's like, you know, do you want like a nanny? Like what would help you? And he wants to help. And I'm like, no, I want to do it all by myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's like, but I, I do. And one, it's silly. Cause there's no problem in asking for help, but you know, at the same time, like there's, it is possible. You can make it work. It just might look different. And that was the realization I had to come to, especially with things like this. I mean, podcast interviews were really hard. There were a couple that I got off of and cried because my baby was fussy the whole time and I'm holding him and I'm like, it's just me here. Like we don't even have family that close. Like it's, you know, he's either going to be making noise on the show potentially, or it isn't going to happen because I can't just like stick him in the other room, you know, all day. So, yeah. But it was it was a big learning curve. Um, but it's it is such a, a like a beautiful thing at the same time. And I think everything comes in a season. And what I've heard a lot of other people say, especially like us horse girls, because our whole identity is tied in with horses. And mm-hmm. I totally get that. And I felt so guilty. I almost get like mom guilt with my horses. And I'm like, oh, I haven't like totally. Oh my gosh, them. totally. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I haven't given them enough attention. And then I think about it. I'm like, okay, they are like out in a pasture, living their best lives. Like I do not need to feel guilty. They are not like sad that I didn't ride them today. Like, you know, I see them every day. I feed them like they're happy, you know, and I, I kind of just have to like tell myself that, um, you know, and, and, and it makes the times that I do get to pull them out and like spend time with them just that much more better. And, and I appreciate it more than I think I did when I had no baby and all the time in the world to go ride and you kind of take it for granted a little bit. And so mm-hmm. I think it just makes it that much sweeter now in the times that I do get to ride. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's, that's such a, a fun thing to talk about <laughs> fun. I don't know if that's the right word, but an interesting thing to talk about. Cause yeah, I mean, that's that I feel like to a T like that's me horses, mom, life, entrepreneur, all the things trying to do it all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's and then you have, and then you have the cows because yeah. <laughs> my oh, yeah, husband, you guys cattle ranch, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, well, my husband and I had a really good conversation recently about how we've each kind of honed in on our favorite hobby. And for me, it's the horses. And for him, it's always been his cows and how as a parent, 
you try to navigate we just realized early on we have these hobbies that are much more intensive than other people's hobbies and so like you said I mean they're not they're not sad that I don't ride them every day Uh, as long as I feed them you know but we still (laughs) have to feed them whereas you don't have to feed your tennis racket or your or your golf clubs or whatever and so it adds another layer of um of dedication I guess that you have to to put into your life but uh, I know, you know, from knowing other horse people or horse women, they wouldn't have it any other way. So, and it's a lifestyle too. I mean, it's, it's a hobby, but it's, it really is like a lifestyle. Cause Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, you're, you're taking care of animals. I mean, you can't just skip out on vacation without thinking ahead, like, okay, who's going to feed them when we're gone or, you know, I mean, I guess unless you're boarding or something, but, um, you know, and, and just, it is not something that you can just pay for when you want to do it and then not pay for when you're not doing it. So, you know, there's so much care that goes into it, um, and, and money. And, and I mean, we've had those conversations too, of like, you know, why are all of our friends are able to go buy like all these like crazy things all the time? Like what, I feel like we don't do that bad. Like why, why can't we go do that? And then we're like, oh yeah, we have horses. And like, and we choose to have horses and they choose to have an RV or whatever, you uh-huh. know? yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, whatever it might be. <laughs> yes. Um, so, and, and it is, it's a choice and I, I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, but yeah, that's crazy. I also think you brought up a good point earlier, like slightly shifting gears, but when you were talking about, um, just like bringing a business and kind of just your life online and trying to make, make a go at that, I feel like, business has changed so much. Um, just even recently, I mean, the internet's obviously been around for a while, but you know, for so long, the business was just brick and mortar. You're opening up a store and, and selling and the internet has opened up so many opportunities. I feel like for people, you know, you can, now you reach the whole world instead of just your community, but at the same time, that's hard. Like, how do you reach the whole world, especially now with the way social media is going and everybody's creating content, everybody's starting something. I mean, there's so much new stuff being posted every single day, every second of the day. I mean, it's overwhelming for so many people. And I feel like as business owners that aren't trying to be content creators, it can be frustrating because you almost have to be a content creator in order to have a business now because you have to keep up with the trends and, you know, figuring out what's going to catch somebody's attention and how you're going to reach the right people. Um, And I know you said that's obviously been like a big learning thing for you. Do you feel like now you have a better understanding of it? Are you like, what's kind of helped you maybe grow online or, or if, if there's any like tips or secrets you have <laughs> to share? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the, the biggest thing I learned was basically your, you know, your funnel and that's how you, uh, how your customers you have a, a funnel, which of course is the, you know, the widest at the top and the narrowest at the bottom. And and learning about that was really pivotal to me, understanding the customer journey. And, and it's also very hard because you have to, you have to narrow down where your audience hangs out. And so it might be Instagram for your customers, or it might be Facebook for your customers, or it could be like mine. It's kind of a combination of, the, of both of those places, which lucky me, (laughs) but I think a lot of businesses are are actually like that. Um, so the biggest thing that I learned was that you have to find out where your, where your customers are hanging out and you have to find out 
what they want from you. So my, it's probably my biggest joy in business. And that's the social media has allowed me to interact with my customers because I'm, I'm online only. Mm -hmm. And I don't have, I don't have my own store, you know, where I can talk to people face to face. And so the biggest thing that I've learned, and I think the the biggest takeaway would be uh, learn who your customers are and then try to find them and interact with them and be genuine about it. You know, I, I had a social media company that I hired out at the beginning of the year to help me with social media and for the launch of the breaches. And, um, and they made my, my Instagram so curated and beautiful, but and there's always a, but I feel like, um, <laughs> but I didn't know my products are expensive. And so I, I do want to showcase that value to my customers, but I also think that there's so many other businesses out there that are like that. Yeah. And you feel very disconnected with them and you're already just interacting with somebody online. You're not even interacting with them in person. And so if you have this very curated, um, kind of facade to your platforms where people can reach you, which, you know, your website is always going to look curated because it's the professional spot. It's just like, if you had a storefront, you would make your storefront look as beautiful as you possibly could. Mm -hmm. Um, But I really like using social media as a way to kind of get into people's lives and then allow them into my life. And so on my stories, I post a ton of behind the scenes Mm -hmm. stuff. So um, right now I'm developing, uh, two new products. I'm doing a sun shirt and I'm also doing a pair of breeches that have leather, uh, genuine leather on the knees. Mm-hmm. And so I've taken the customers on this journey of, uh, development and sourcing leather and all these different things. And that really resonates with them because with a lot of other brands, you don't get the behind the scenes aspect of it. And I've been able to really connect with people and genuinely connect with them, like not just from a very um, basic way, but, you know, <laughs> like there's one customer that I have that one, I do little giveaways on social media a lot. So like, I'll put up a, a picture of an old trainer. Like I did uh, Harry Whitney one day mm-hmm. and I told people, who's this trainer? First person to get it right wins a pair of breaches. And so then I get all of these like hilarious, like some, one person said, John Wayne. <laughs> and so then we had a great interaction after that. Um, and then, so then the person uh, that won, you know, she and I talk every once in a while and she happens to be a photographer and does um, a question of photography. And then I had another customer that uh, won a giveaway. Uh, and I did another giveaway on, on social media where if you answered all these, you know, basically uh, product questions for me, then everybody that answered them would be in a drawing for, um, whatever they wanted. Mm -hmm. And the person that won her horse's name is Bart. And that was my childhood horse's name. And he lived until he was 34 and is very special. And so we just, it just, it seems like that, that I just get these really cool interactions with my customers just through social media. And it doesn't cost anything. It does take time, but if I don't give the time to my customers right now, when am I going to give that to them? Because you only get busier as your business grows, you know? So you have to cultivate those relationships with people so that they are willing to maybe tell their friends about your, your business or your products, because otherwise people have to find you online or find you through ads. Um, 
and that's another thing I could touch on too. So I, I did take an ads course this year and now I run two ads. I want to run one video ad and one, um, engagement ad. And that's the only Facebook stuff that I do. There's a really cool feature on Facebook that allows you to kind of search different businesses and see what their ads are. Uh, I can't think of what it is now. Somebody shared it with me. Um, and I was floored because I had no idea the ad spend of certain businesses and brands. And you look at it and you just go, oh my gosh, no wonder they have this massive business. They spend thousands of dollars a day or thousands of dollars per ad, you know, and I'm setting my limit, my daily budget to $5, you know, yeah, <laughs> I'm thinking, right? Oh my goodness. Okay. So this is, you know, what the bigger players do, but it, it's super educating. You know, you, you just, you take what you can do right now and you run with it. And for mm -hmm. me, that's two ads on Facebook. Uh, I'm trying to get the best people to notice my brand and kind of go to the top of my funnel. And mm -hmm. then after so many um, weeks I do, I will do it retargeting. So the people that, you know, are engaged on the ad, I'll retarget with something else to hopefully get them to be engaged again and, and visit my website. But it's another steep learning curve as is most things <laughs> in business. But um, those have been the two most pivotal things for me in terms of, of really getting people to my website that have no clue that I even exist. And that's just um, if they happen to see my Instagram stories or comment on one of my reels, I am very quick to tell them thank you and to interact. And, and I try not to be aggressive about it. Like if they send me a heart or something, you know, to one of my stories, then I just reach out and say, thank you. And it really seriously opens the door to further conversation because then they'll comment again and then I'll ask them how they are or how many horses they have or mm -hmm. because I genuinely care about that stuff because I am horse obsessed. So yeah. I want to know how many horses all of my customers have, yeah. you know, and, and so it's just, I think, um, especially at the beginning of a business, but I hope that this is a case throughout the life of my business, um, is just the human connection element of it. Uh, I want there to be an open dialogue with my customers, good, bad, and ugly, you know, or good, bad, and different, I guess. Um, you know, if they have an issue with one of my products, I want them to tell me if they love my products, I want them to tell me, I, I just want them to know that it's a, that I'm one of those people or one of those business owners that they can, uh, give me any and all feedback that, that they want to give me. And, um, sometimes I think the rejection and the hardship that I faced early on maybe was building me up to be able to handle um, customer feedback that is not always complimentary, you know, mm -hmm. or the feedback that is, Hey, I really like this, but if you did this, it might be better for my body type or things like that. I get that. And I don't take it quite so personally yeah. as I would have because I'm, I can be kind of sensitive. <laughs> and, and so that's one of those things that you have to navigate, you know, as a business owner, you can't take things to, you can take them to heart. You just can't take them too personally, you know, but it, yeah, that's hard. Cause I mean, it's, you know, our businesses for a lot of us are our babies and, and it is just like an extension of us for a lot of people. So mm -hmm. I feel like that is something that, I feel like as women, we struggle with a lot too, is just that sensitive 
I mean, we just were more sensitive. Like that's just who we are. And I think there's there's good, you know, good use for that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it bites us in the butt, but, um, no, I, I appreciate you being so transparent about that and sharing about ads. And I mean, I feel like we could do a whole episode on ads, so maybe I'll have to have you back on and we can talk about that. I feel like that could be just like a whole other realm of conversation, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's cool to hear the different ways that you've kind of been able to target people and, and find the right customers for you. And then just, being a genuine human being and treating your your customers like human beings, I think is just so huge. And I think so many people could benefit more from being more like that and and not using social media as just another website in a sense, but like using social media for what it's intended for, to be social and to interact mm-hmm. with people. And it's not supposed to be just a portfolio and it's not supposed to just be uh, you know, a place where people buy things from. It's it is supposed to be you and your business and your mission and and share stories and um. So I think you do a really really great job at that. And um, well, I just I love that you're building connection with people. So that that's really cool. Um, I would love to point people into your direction to have them follow you, find your stuff. Anybody who might be interested, have questions for you, all the things. Where can people find you online? Uh, my website is maybabestheBrand.com and Instagram is probably where I spend the most time between the two socials. So I'm at maybabesequestrian on there. And um, as I mentioned earlier, I'm an open book. So if you are wanting to start an apparel business or anything like that, uh, you know, reach out and I'll give you as many contacts as I have. Same with patent. The patent uh, journey has been very interesting to me, um, especially with women, uh, because women account for a very small percentage of patents that have been awarded. And so that's another one of those topics that, um, kind of gets to me a little bit. (laughs) So, um, I would really encourage, I mean, anybody that has any questions about any women that have questions about patent work or anything. Um, I would love to, to talk to you guys about that too, because it's just, um, we need to represent. And I know that women have so many ideas. So um, you can find me and and look at my business and all my cool little things, or you can reach out if you have any questions about any kind of apparel or anything, anything business related. It's super fun to talk about. So yeah, your social media is really fun. I stalked you on Instagram. So (laughs) I'm working on it. It's hard. (laughs) If you love horses, go check her out. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I love it. No, thank you so, so much for being here and being willing to share all the things. Um, Yeah, it's been really awesome talking to you. Well, thank you so much for having me. You've just finished another episode of the Branded Cowgirl podcast. And if that doesn't make you happier than a rooster on Sunday, then I don't know what will. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Branded Cowgirl Podcast and TikTok. Also join the exclusive Facebook group just for listeners. You can find it by searching Branded Cowgirl Podcast Insiders or head to the link in the show notes. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a five-star rating over on Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening. It means the absolute world to me to read your kind words, but it also helps other amazing rural women find the show as well. If you would like to sponsor an episode or advertise on the Branded Cowgirl podcast, then please head to sarahelrod.com slash sponsor BCP for more information. Thanks again for being here, and I'll talk to you in the next one.